Welcome to Sunday's Lesson with Lane. In this podcast, we will listen to Lane Brown's sermon this past week at the Chandler Street Church of Christ in Kilgore, Texas. We hope this message blesses you as you strive to grow closer to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Well, good morning, everyone, and it is uh, wonderful to see, I think this is Dane's first time to lead singing up on a Sunday morning, and uh, it definitely gives uh, a father's, it warms a father's heart to, to see something like that, and Dane, thank you for that, uh, we really uh, appreciate it, I appreciate it, I think they all do as well, there you go, <laughs> thank you, but I want you to think about people that are reliable in your life. And one of the things I asked Dane if he could lead, uh, Sam was going to lead singing this 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 uh, Sunday, but then pneumonia comes. That's not Sam's problem. <laughs> That's the Saharan dust that comes in the world. And, and we need to have people that we can we can uh, rely on. And Sam is, is definitely reliable in, in, in so many ways, but it's wonderful to have other people like your own son to be relied upon. And I want you to think back, if you were born at least before the 80s, I was born late 70s, mid 70s, and I remember all these 80s commercials, and y'all know who this guy is? This is the Maytag man, the Maytag man. And the thing about the Maytag man, if you hadn't seen these commercials, is he was, uh, he, he, he would just sit around and wait all day because the appliances from Maytag were supposed to be so good, there was no need for a Maytag repairman, all right? So I want you to think that in your mind about how reliable an appliance is. Have you ever had an appliance that was not very reliable? We, and I'm not gonna say the name because that's not very nice to just uh, bash them over the uh, airwaves and all you, but we had a washer and dryer that I would say was not very reliable. Our washer and dryer we got, we. Mary and I have been Dallas Maverick season ticket holders since 2004 or 2005. We don't typically get to go to many of the games, so I just sell the tickets to the games, and we sold in 2006 the tickets to the Mavericks going to the finals, and we made a lot of money. Enough money to buy a washer and dryer, a brand new one. One that we, we used to have a washer and dryer that I'd have to stick a magnet on and uh, it would wash your, it would dry your clothes in, in less than 10 minutes. But if you've got over 10 minutes, you have burnt holes in your clothes. So we, 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 we upgraded after this money that we got from selling our Dallas Maverick tickets when they went to the finals and we bought a smart washer and dryer. Smart. So smart that it would keep everything un keep everything uh, balanced, and if it was unbalanced, it would reset itself and uh, balance it again. The problem was it never it knew how to rebalance itself, or it knew how to try to rebalance itself, but it would never become balanced. And that thing took us. I think Mary counted. It was earlier in June. She says, "I'm sick of waiting 17 hours, <laughs> 17 and a half hours." <laughs> <laughs> to to redo uh to, to wash clothes and then our dryer also was stupid though it was supposed to be smart it would always just go on cool it's like yeah it's too hot in this thing i'm just gonna go to the cool cycle and so we would reload restart it restart it finally she said i'm done we're getting a new washer and dryer so i went to the maytag man and we've got a maytag washer and dryer and so far we can actually wash and dry our clothes in like Three hours? 
not 17, 18, two, she says two hours. So we're, we're doing pretty good. So that's uh, our, our, our Maytag man. That's what we, we went through. Being reliable. Are you a reliable person? Are you reliable when someone needs you? Are you reliable when God is asking you to be reliable in his life? Last week, we started talking about a man named Philip. And if I call him Paul today, no, I'm not talking about Paul today. I'm going to talk about Philip, but I noticed when I was practicing this, uh, I was going over, over my notes. Sometimes I call it Paul, but it's Philip. So it's always Philip. If it's a P word, it's Philip all day. All right. But Philip was incredibly reliable. When the church, last week we were talking about the church was struggling with issues of, of uh, playing favorites and discrimination. Philip was chosen as one of the seven men to help correct that issue. Philip was willing to listen to God in everything that God had him do. When Jesus says in Acts 1, verse 8, he says, but, I will, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witness in Jerusalem, in all of Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. When Philip heard Jesus tell his disciples that, Philip realized, I'm going to be the one that goes and delivers this. I'm going to listen to Jesus' command as one of his disciples, and I am going to do what he says. And so as Saul starts persecuting him and other folks start persecuting the Jews in Jerusalem, all the Christians, well, they were persecuting the Christians in Jerusalem, they start scattering. And what does Philip realize he needs to do? I'm going to go to Samaria. Samaria is a place right north of Jerusalem, but the Jews typically would go out of their way, way out of their way, and they don't have cars, they're walking, to avoid, to avoid going through Samaria. They had that much of a bitter uh, relationship with the Samaritans. But Philip, what does he do? He goes straight to Samaria because that's what Jesus asked him to do, to tell the good news even amongst his enemies. For centuries, Jewish people would try to avoid them. But Philip, when he found out the news of Jesus Christ, he wanted to go and tell the, that good news to them. Why? Because things that Jesus said made an impact on Philip. We all know the verse, the John 3.16. And Philip probably knew John 3.16. It had, well, it hadn't been written yet, so Philip didn't know John 3.16, but he probably heard the words very similar to what Jesus had said. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Philip knew Jesus came to save the world. And Philip wasn't just this ordinary Jewish guy. Philip was uh, a Greek uh, Jewish guy. And you might be thinking that Philip was the uh, apostle Philip. He was not. He was, uh, later they called him the evangelist Philip because of how he would go and spread the news. But he was just a normal guy that wanted to be relied upon by God, that wanted to let God's spirit work through his life. And he was willing to go wherever God went because he believed that message that God loved the world. Everyone in this world that was willing to give their lives to him, Philip wanted to let them know they had this opportunity to be one of God's children. So he goes where God wants him to go. 
So grab your Bibles, and we're going to be in here most of today. Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8. We're going to start in verse 25. Right now, Philip, like I told you a little earlier, he was in Samaria. He was preaching the good news, and he was doing such a good job. Some of the other apostles were coming up there to help uh, correct a, a couple of, of questions that, that, the, uh, that the Samaritans had. So starting in verse 25, it says, When they testified and proclaimed the word of the Lord, Peter and John returned to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel in many Samaritan villages. Now the angel, an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south on the, road, on the desert road that goes to Jerusalem from Gaza. This is interesting. Typically we've seen the Spirit telling, telling, uh, telling the people where they go and to be led by the Spirit. Right here we see an angel telling Philip he needs to go south on the road that is between Jerusalem and Gaza. This is what's known as the desert road, and this is the road that, that from Gaza you'll go straight into Africa from, from Israel. When we talk about angels, what are angels in the, in the scriptures? What do they do? They're messengers of God. They're going to give you direct messages that God wants for us to have. Now, most of us probably won't be visited by an angel, and you don't see a ton of that. There you do see in huge instances angels coming, but as far as we know, this, this actual experience from, from God sending, a, sending an angel in, in bodily form, I guess, to us, that's, uh, we might not experience that, but we do receive direct messages from God. We do have commands that we receive from God, and where do we receive those commands? In a scripture, right? These are direct commands from God. These are, this is where God is talking to us. And so just like when an angel told him, you go south and do this, we have commands from God. And what are these commands? We have, you know, tons of them. Some of them are like we need to repent of our sins. When we, when we have sin in our life, we need to turn from our life. So Matthew 4 verse 17 says, from time to time, Jesus began to preach and say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. We have commands that say, let your light shine before, before men. So in, in Matthew 5, 16, it says, let your light shine for, before others so that they will see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. So we are supposed to have good works. We're supposed to do good things because we want to let people see that, not to give us glory, but to give God glory. We have tough commands like love your enemies. Jesus says that in 544, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. So not go get even with your enemies, but love your enemies, right? We have commands to go and make disciples, teaching and baptizing in the name of Jesus Christ. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Some of these commands are easy for us to follow, and some of these commands are a little bit more difficult, like loving your enemies, praying for those that persecute you. Well, one of the commands that Philip was given is to go south and preach, or he just told him, go south, and he's, and he's about to direct him a little bit more information. But when he goes south, he doesn't necessarily know where he's going, but he's at least traveling somewhere between 60 and 90 miles on foot. Where is he going south to? Jerusalem, where they're trying to kill Christians. This is not an easy command for a Christian to follow because it's dangerous, it's long. He doesn't necessarily know why he's going south at the time. 
but he does it because he's reliable and he is going to be led by God. Just like we sang the song, he leadeth me, right? We need to let God lead us to do his good works. So what happens as he goes south? Verse 27 says, So he started out, and on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home, he was sitting on his chariot, reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to the chariot and stay near it. So as he's going south, he's probably wondering what God has in store for him, what God has planned for him as he's going down there. And as he gets on this desert road, he sees something that sticks out. And there's no way this isn't going to stick out to him because what he sees is a great official from a foreign, foreign nation. He's seeing the treasurer who's in charge of all of the, tre all of the money of an entire country. And he knows God's told him to, to preach in Jerusalem, all through Judea, go to the Samaritans. And now this is basically the ends of the earth, Africa. That's as far as he probably would understand. This is where he realizes, I need to give the message to him. And then the spirit gives him this nudge, right? Right now, it, didn't, it wasn't an angel that's talking to him. It was a spirit that says, go stand by this carriage. How often has the Spirit given you a little nudge in your life? It's not made, it maybe isn't a direct command, but it's something that you feel that is, at, is telling you, you need to go do something. You need to tell, talk to someone about this. One of my biggest feelings of the Spirit giving me this nudge was I was at a, at a event called Winterfest. This was when I was working down in Dallas. Uh, I was working in human resources at the time. I wasn't in ministry, but I had been having thoughts and maybe spirit nudges of maybe I need to get into ministry. Camp Giron asked me to work this booth at Winterfest. That's a big youth rally for all the kids. And at Winterfest, I see these kids that I'd seen maybe 10, well, probably about five years before that came to Camp Giron. And they're kids like Lily Garza. Uh, they're kids like uh, 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 Bose. Goodness, my mind just went blank. Not, not Tori Bose. Tyler, Tyler Bose. Goodness, I'm sorry. Tyler, if you're watching, sorry. <laughs> Tyler Bose, Trey Garza, uh, Mackenzie Sharp. They all come, come through there, and I hadn't seen them in about five years, but I had worked with them at Camp Deer Run, for, for, many, for many years. And something in my head said, I need to call them and see if they have a youth minister. I'd never really, I'd only been through Kilgore. I didn't have any other relationship outside of these kids, but something told me I need to call them. I believe firmly that was the spirit giving me some nudge saying, I need to get into ministry and it needs to be in Kilgore, Texas. And I guess it's worked out pretty good, but it's answering these spirits call, these little bitty nudges, and seeing where God takes you. So how do we know how to answer this, these spiritual nudges? I have a couple of questions that we should ask ourselves. If you feel like you need to do something, first thing you need to say is, 
Is this God's plan in my life to go and talk to this person? Is it biblical or is it scriptural? If you're having these questions, if, if you can say, yeah, it would be biblical to go talk to them. It would be scriptural to go talk to them. Then you need to ask yourself, would doing this glorify God? Would it be to my benefit or would it be to God's benefit? The answer so many times is probably is to both of your benefits. You ask yourself, if, this, if there's something in your head that says, I need to go and talk to my neighbor about this. I need to talk to my coworker about Jesus Christ. I need to go here and see if they need help. We've all experienced this, right? I think this is the Holy Spirit giving us this little nudge, and then are we going to answer this call? If it's spiritual, if, it, if, it, if it's scriptural, if it's biblical, if it glorifies God, answer that call. Go and see what's going on because it could change your life. It could change this person's life, and what we're going to see here in this scripture is it's going to change a whole nation. In uh, verse 32, or verse 30, it says, Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. He says, Do you understand what you're reading? Philip asked. How can I? Said, How can I? He said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. As Philip is walking by or running, or running up to the chariot or walking up next to the chariot, he hears him reading this verse that's very familiar to him from the book of Isaiah. And he asks him, do you understand what you're reading? And he says, how can I unless someone explains it to me? And so now we're going to have to go and dig into what exactly is probably happening. These aren't in scripture, but we can probably piece together what exactly was going on. The Ethiopian eunuch, this, this official, goes to Jerusalem to worship. Now what's the issue of him going to Jerusalem to worship is he probably shows up there and he finds out that he's not wanted. Matter of fact, if we look at what Jesus said, there, there were places where foreigners could go and they could worship God. And that was in the temple courts. They weren't allowed to go inside the temple, but they could go in the temple courts. What was going on in the temple courts? If you remember the story of when Jesus comes up to the temple courts, what does he get so angry about? He gets angry that, that people are there, they're uh, selling uh, animals for sacrifice. And he says, you have made this house of prayer into a den of thieves. There was nowhere for this Ethiopian eunuch to go and worship God because it was just becoming this big place where people were selling things, buying and trading. It was supposed to be this house of prayer. And he's saying, no, get out of here. You're stealing, stealing a place for these people to come and pray and worship the father. I think that's why Jesus gets so angry, is that even the foreigners, they did have this place in the temple, but they were kicked away, they were kicked out. But the eunuch knew, he knew there was something special about this God. He probably heard about this God over and over, and somehow he found scriptures that read about, about this God. And I think, this isn't written in here, but I'm almost positive, somewhere the eunuch read this scripture in Isaiah 56, two chapters after 53, which is he's reading. So Isaiah 56, verse three says, don't let foreigners who commit themselves to the Lord say, the Lord will never let me be part of his people. And don't let the eunuchs say, 
I'm a dried up tree with no children, no future. For this is what the Lord says. I will bless those eunuchs who keep my Sabbath days holy and who choose to do what pleases me and commit their lives to me. I will give within my wall. I will give them within my walls of my house a more memorial, a name far greater than sons and daughters could give. For the name I give them is an everlasting one. It will never disappear. The eunuch has read this scripture and probably he's done quite well for himself. He's done quite well making a name for himself. But as a eunuch, he could have no descendants. He could never pass this, this on to the next generation. And that's, especially in that world, that's what they would feel you needed to do to pass this on. He was looking for glory and the glory was going to end with him. But he reads these scriptures that God's saying, you can have eternal glory. You can become part of me. That really spoke to him. And he goes down to Jerusalem to find out a little bit more about that. And then they say, you're not welcome here. This isn't for you. And he's confused because the scriptures say it's for the eunuch. The eunuch is there. He, he's going to have this name. This name I give them is an everlasting one. He's probably struggling with this. So as he's reading, he reads from this scripture, Isaiah 53. And this is in Acts chapter 8, verse 32. It says, the eunuch was reading this passage. He was like a, like a sheep to the slaughter. As a lamb before the shearers is silent, he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, please, who is this prophet talking about? Himself or someone else? Then Philip began with the very passage of scripture, with this very passage of scripture, and told him the good news of Jesus Christ. The good news of Jesus Christ. Isaiah 53 is such a powerful, powerful scripture. A scripture that talks about us as broken, wounded people. How someone came to us that loved us enough that cared for us enough, that was going to take us up all of our sins and die for us. This is the good news. And I want you to listen. So the, the eunuch is either reading this out loud or some people, how it can be translated. He also could have had an interpreter reading this to him out loud or reading from the scroll in there. He was an a important official, so he would have probably had people with him. And I want you to hear some of the words that Isaiah 53 has for us and how it speaks to him and how it can speak to us right now. Go ahead, Cassidy. He was despised and rejected by mankind. A man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised and we held him in low esteem. He took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The 
punishment that brought us peace was on him. By his wounds, we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Incredibly powerful words. He was pierced for our transgressions. We've all turned to our own way. Each of us in this room have messed up. We've sinned. We've looked for what's best for ourselves. We haven't looked to be led by the Spirit, but we've looked to be led by our own selfish, satis uh, selfish uh, desires. But there was someone. And that's what, the, that's what the eunuch is asking uh, Philip. Is this a prophet? Is he talking about himself or is there someone else? Someone greater. And that's when he is able to tell about the good news of Jesus Christ that he came. He died for us. And all of us can now experience the good news. We can all experience eternity with him. And we get to talk about this every Sunday all over the world. All of us who are broken people get to come to the Lord's table. What's really interesting is, hopefully you have this little cup with you, but during the pandemic, you've probably experienced uh, lots, of, lots of things that are missing. Right now, they're talking about there's, there's a shortage of change. Uh, because not enough people are going out and spending in, in stores. So they said there's a shortage of change. And we all understand there was a shortage of toilet paper and a shortage of, of, of bleach and all this stuff. But if you're in the church world, you'll notice there was a shortage of these. And that's a sad thing because we need these things. Matter of fact, there's such a shortage that, that uh, at the time I could only find white grape juice or fruit of the vine. Because all of this was gone. And so if you see that there's any, uh, I'm going to try to blend them in starting next week. If you see, that's kind of weird that it's, that it's clear. It is fruit of the vine, but uh, I'll have it mixed up. And so it, we're not trying to be cute or anything here. It's just there was a shortage. And while that might seem sad, it's also a blessing that so many people in this world, so many people need the blood of Jesus Christ. So many people in this world are coming together and remembering Jesus Christ and his sacrifice for us. So many are thinking about this Isaiah 53 every Sunday. The, the bread that's broken for us. So today I want to talk to uh, pray for this bread. Pray that this bread in our life can be, can be a, a, an offering given to us and remembering Jesus giving his body for us. So that we can one day be with him. In Acts chapter 8 verse 36 it says. As they traveled along the road they came to water. And the eunuch said look here is water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? And he ordered the chariot to stop. And then both Philip and the eunuch went down to the water. And Philip baptized him. They came up out of the water. And the spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away. And the eunuch did not see him again. But he went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared at Azotus and traveled about preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea.
Philip tells him this good news. And before, when the eunuch goes to worship God, there were all these barriers. People said, you can't go into the temple. And, and uh, Philip let him know the temple, the curtain has been torn in two. There's nothing that separates you from God. You can come straight to God. And he tells him this idea of exchanging your old life for a life with him. We do that through baptism. We, we die to our sins and we're raised with him. We're our sins are washed away and we receive this gift of the Holy Spirit. And God is saying, are you willing to exchange your life for a better one? For the eunuch, it was, no, it was uh, no question. It was an easy exchange he was ready to make. He says, look, there's water. What's stopping me? What is stopping me from being baptized right now? The answer was nothing. Outside of the only thing stopping him was his heart. Was he ready? Did he believe that Jesus was the son of God? Was he ready to commit his life to him? And he was ready with all his heart. He was ready to give his life to Christ. And so that we have that same thing going on in our life. What's stopping us? There's no barriers. The only thing between you and eternal salvation is yourself. We have water here. We can baptize you here. I had the uh, pleasure of watching my, my nephew yesterday. He was baptized in, in our pool. At his young age, he realized there's nothing stopping him from having eternal life with Jesus Christ. He was ready to make that commitment. So we went to his parents, told them, and they were excited because they knew he was ready. Nothing is stopping you from making this decision right now, except for it's a decision you have to make. Is the Spirit calling you right now to give your life to Him? Or is the Spirit calling you, are you a, are you a Philip? Is the Spirit calling you to say, you can give your life to me by reaching out to others, listening to me, following me, following the Spirit's nudges, following the commands of the Scripture? pray that you answer the Spirit's call today. I pray that there's no barriers in your life that are leading you or trying to stop you from giving your life to Him. If you want to answer the Spirit's call, please come while we stand and sing. Thank you for joining Sunday's lesson with Lane. I pray you are blessed by this message and that you will join us next week as we dive into the encouragement God gives us in his word.